Party People! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week, I am joined by Fairy's Tale for a game of Unhallowed Metropolis. Unhallowed Metropolis is a fascinating and fun alt-history zombie horror game set in the year 2105 in a walled-off neo-Victorian London, 200 years after the dead began walking, upsetting the entire course of human history, leading to this bizarre steampunk walled-off neo-London ruled as much by arcane horror as it is by social strata and a cruel, vicious, conniving aristocracy. It was a really neat game. I really enjoyed it, and I think you're going to dig it. Before we dive in, though, I did want to take a moment to give a special thank you to our newest backer on Patreon, Ryan Holscher. You might recognize Ryan's name from our Sprawl episode a few weeks ago. Ryan, thank you so much. Your support means the world. If you'd like to consider backing our Patreon, you can check that out at patreon.com slash partyofonepodcast. Patreon backers get access to many podcasts, bonus materials, and interviews, and in exchange, Patreon dollars pay for hosting fees, equipment costs, convention appearances, and other expenses. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash partyofonepodcast. And with all that out of the way, let's throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I'm sitting down with Fairy's Tale. Fairy's Tale, thanks for coming on Party of One. Anytime. Sounds interesting, then. I'll be honest, this is going to be the first time I get to play this game. I'm really excited. I think it's going to, it's fun. I'm looking forward to giving this game a try. Uh, this week we are playing Unhallowed Metropolis. It is a steampunk uh, horror setting. It looks really cool, sort of an alt-history game. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's, I'm, I'm pumped. It's going to be fun. So, why don't we go ahead and why don't you introduce us to your character this week? My character, I'm playing a guy called Miles Crowley. He is what's known as a Dampier Vampire Hunter. Basically, he got bitten or infected with vampirism and it just didn't fully take. So he's a half vampire with, I think the best way I've heard it is daddy issues. He has a natural inborn instinct of he hates vampires. If any come around, has to go into a blind rage and kill them. Well, not always, but yes. However... And he's not very good at it. He is more of the social type of vampire going around telling everyone, yes, I've killed a lot of vampires. Yes, I am this paragon of manliness, strength, and all that. When in actuality, he's about the same as every normal person. He just tries to slide along on his grace, so to speak. He tries to convince everyone he is good and great and all that when... In actuality, 9 out of 10 things he says is a awful, awful lie. Isn't it true of all of us? Basically, in the world of Unhallowed Metropolis, Dampier are considered by the aristocracy to be something like owning a white lion or tiger or something. It's kind of a showpiece. If you've got a Dampier at your party, your credibility raises a bit. So all he does is go from party sure. to party, rich person's place to rich person's place, trying to... He doesn't actually have a home. Okay. Uh, do you need anything else? or? No, I think that's perfect. I think that's uh, the perfect place to start. So, uh, the question then is, Miles doesn't have a home, really. He kind of just goes place to place. So, when a uh, messenger wants to deliver a, a telegram, basically, um, where do they find Miles? Set the scene for us. Set, set Miles' introduction when a messenger comes. Uh, stirs him awake to hand him a letter. He is in, we'll say, 
the Lord, he is in the uh, Cornwood, Cornwell Estate. Cornwell Estate. Yeah, Cornwell is a just a typical rich old aristocrat. And sure, sure, sure. Miles is well. He's in his room. Uh, Lord Cornwell won't be too happy to know that know that his daughter's in there. But hey, who cares? He just rolls out of bed, not even caring, but still got that grace inherent in all damp here. Uh, just sure, sure, sure. slowly close himself, not even caring that the sorry the messenger can even see everything. And once he's ready, he just re- stares at him like, "Well, what are you interrupting me for?" Yeah, uh, so the messenger, um, scrawny, scrawny kid, um, gun by his side, just in case, you know, the, the year of 2105 is a rough place, um, hands you a letter and is escorted off by the Cornwell butler, Jives, uh, Jives <laughs> walks, walks the little messenger boy out. Um, you know, and, and we get, as they walk out, we get the first wide shot of the world of 2105, neo-Victorian London, smoke in the air, uh, the sun shining off of the metal wall surrounding the city, the, the occasional sound of gunfire as an animate in the streets is shot down, a real charming place, a real one, real, real postcard-esque visual we get. I don't know, sounds like a lovely place to live. Yeah, right? Um, we cut back to Miles. The letter that you're looking at, it is from... It is a, a beautiful, beautiful letter with um, the seal of a noble house on it. House banister. Real, real italicized B calligraphy on it. Uh, you open it up, and it says, You've been formally invited to the home of House Bannister for a most exquisite night of entertainment. Food and drinks will be provided. You know, and it says, and it says, please RSVP by, but the date and times have been uh, crossed out. This is all very, like, formal ink, but the thing that's crossed it out is almost like a charcoal pencil or like a ballpoint pen. Something real cheap. And it just says in sort of barely legible script, as opposed to the real charming calligraphy of the rest of the invite. You're coming, or else, Dr. Cook. Miles reads again, rubs his eyes, prays to hell that he's not reading it right. Unfortunately, he is. And just misses it. Numerous curses. If anyone right. actually heard him, this would be... That, they would expect to hear this from a dock worker type cursing, not <laughs> from someone of his standing. Sure, um, you're letting you're letting loose this string of curses uh, as Jives the Butler is sort of like gently, like fingertips on your shoulders, sort of um, <laughs> shooing you out. It's not quite the right word, but it's kind of the bet's kind of not entirely that far off. <laughs> Gently kind of shuffling you out the door. Um, and you're out on the street. Yep. As I'm out on the street, I just, Miles just turns to look at Jives. My good sir, what about... To perfectly understand, but what about my sword, my gun, my armor? He snaps his fingers, and another attendant comes with 
what looks... There's no real nice way to put it. It's a trash bag. They come with a trash bag, and they sort of just dump it out onto the street, and Jives just silently closes the door, giving you just the rudest stink eye. (laughs) Just as the door is closing, I will just loud enough so he can hear it. Well, that is the Cornwall... Lord Cornwall, uh is not in a very nice place to live. I'll stay. I'll make sure that everyone knows he can't discipline his staff very well. And then just trying to be elegant and dignified, gather my trash bag, pull out any other weapons I need, and just set off on my way. Right. You gather up your things. Um, Why don't we make a roll to see what you can find out as you go about your day, see if you can find out anything about uh, this uh, Lord Bannister. Cool. Um, that would probably be either an etiquette or streetwise. Yeah, I call it it. I'll, I'll take either one, whichever one you'd rather roll on. Um, this will be not a difficult, not an especially difficult action. This is probably an 11. Yeah, I'd say this is probably like an 11. You need to get 11 or better. And... Well, I failed. I got ten. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so you find out that... Um, okay, yep, I know exactly what happens. This is fun. Um, so what happens is you do find out a little bit as you're kind of poking around and going about your day. You figure out where Bannister's estate is. You figure out that they these um, dinner parties happen about maybe once a month. And uh, a few times you ask a few people... And they kind of, um, you raise a few questions to a few of your acquaintances. They kind of go pale in the face and like, I don't know anything about that. Nope. And they kind of walk off. Sure seems to be a weird reputation coming around this Bannister estate, but you really can't say from why. I do ask, just because that reaction does occasionally happen with some of the aristocracy, like certain types of parties, um, I do not have the book in front of me, so I do not remember the actual name, sure. but it's, it's in, I think it's called something like a vampire parlor, where they get an actual vampire and then sacrifice some kid. Ah, uh, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. I ask if he's known for doing that. Uh, make me a, sh- actually, make me a second shadow roll for that. This will also be an 11. Uh, do you mean shadow or etiquette? Because shadow's essentially stealth. Oh, I mean streetwise. That's what I meant. Streetwise, because now you're trying to get now you're trying to get the down and dirty. This is going to still be an eleven. Cool, sixteen. Perfect. Um, the from what you can gather, um, you talk to another Dampier is a little more willing to to shed some dirt. She says to you, "No, we we have notes on which parties are the vampire the pallor parties. We know." which ones they are, and this isn't that. We, you know, the name Bannister would have spread around if it was that kind of an affair. Because it's a little bit difficult to hide that sort of thing. So it's not that. So you've at least got that on your side. Yeah. And this would be a good thing for Miles. I mean, he cannot fight a vampire. He's pathetic in a fight. And if he goes near one, he is 
literally compelled to fight. So, but he just curses a bit again and goes, oh god, this means another mad scientist. He's going to try and cut me open, isn't he? Well, to the party. Yep. Um, you roll up to the party that night. We cut, um, we get that really great party, uh, like fancy party shot of the carriage, like the horses and carriage in front of the house. Real stately manner. Um, everything is white linen fabric, though there's the occasional brown or red stains on it. You know, kind of everything has a little bit of a blood stain on it. It's not super weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, but we get that shot of the carriages are coming up, and it's all, you know, top hats and Kaiser mustaches and... Uh, the wealthiest of the wealthy, having a fun dinner party. Waiting for you, out front, is uh, Dr. Cook. Now, why don't you take a moment and explain your history with this Dr. Cook? Because uh, he's very happy to see you, but you are, in fact, not... I, ima- I don't imagine particularly happy to see him. Yeah. Well, Miles, when he was human, before he got infected, he was actually just a general laborer down near the docks. He was one of those people who thought he is destined for something better, and one day he got infected by vampirism and turned into a damn pet. And he was excited, happy, yes, this is finally my chance. Everyone else went, you're still a kind of a bastard, we don't like you. Sure. Then he got the idea of, I've got the looks, um, got the whole I am a damn pet thing working for me. The only problem is I do not have the aristocrats notice. So he got the idea he needs to save an aristocrat, preferably a young girl, because everyone like it's better news, from a plague outbreak, an animate outbreak. Unfortunately, he couldn't exactly pre- predict when one would happen, so he decided to make his own, with the good doctor's help. And in return for that help, good Dr. Cook has been blackmailing him and forcing him to do lots of work since then. So... We see Dr. Cook, short, uh, stout, sort of pear-shaped, kind of a Bob Hoskins, wearing a newsboy cap, and a, a, um, a three, like a slightly threadbare three-piece suit, and he's, uh, he's rubbing his hands together, and he's like, oh, this is wonderful, this is so good, it's so good to see you! Yes! And he gives you a pat on the shoulder that's just a little too hard. I went, so it's not because of how hard it is. Just his touch reviles Miles. Understandable. And he's like, um, he's kind of shaken up and down a little bit, and he's like, he's real giddy. And he's like, oh, this is going to be the most wonderful party. I'm so excited. Who is going to try and kill me today, Cook? No one. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Uh, you can make me a roll. Not to know that he is lying, because, come on. But more to know, like, uh, what he's lying about. I might call that a wit perception. Cool, uh, for lying, that's not much, so that is three. And I got fourteen. Okay, um, you say that, and he brushes you off, as he's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's just a dinner party, I merely needed... Someone to show off, you know, my dampier friend, you, my friend, 
And him saying that is just as revolting as him touching you. I wanted to introduce you to some friends. You know, we're all in this together. Let's have a great night. You walk through the door as he's kind of like giving you the same sort of gentle shove. A little less gracefully than Jives did earlier, but he's kind of giving you the same shove inside. Um, Your synesthesia kicks in a little bit. And you get a taste on your tongue that tastes shuffly. You kind of taste a sort of shuffling and a kind of clanging. Have I ever have I tasted this before? Um, yeah, you have. It's been, um, never quite this strong, but, like, you've gotten the taste around you've seen your way around a few jail cells. Dark. And, um, well, like, let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever been arrested? Because you've been around a few jail cells, but have you ever been arrested? He probably was back when he was human, thrown into the drunk cell a few times. Too many. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you've gotten, you remember this from when, from the times that you were in the drunk tank. Um, not this strong, though, and it doesn't have this sort of, it didn't have this sort of tinny, rusty undertone. That's a little worrisome. Like, there's something sinister on the un, on the underside of it. But, like, the sort of clanging and shuffling taste that you're getting, you definitely remember from being in a jail cell. Or from being around jail cells and being around people in jail cells. Yeah, as we're walking along and Miles is doing the smiling, I'm happy thing to everyone else, but Cook knows he's full of it. Quite not. Uh, he sure. just leans forward and whispers in Cook's ear, I am can't wait till the day I get to end your miserable little life. <laughs> Likewise, let's go. So, uh, yeah, you are in this grand ballroom, right? Stuffy old rich people. You know, hors d'oeuvres, champagne, cocktails. It is a soiree. And I need you and the listeners at home to know the exact amount that I rolled my eyes when I said that. It's a lot. (laughs) You are, um, Cook approaches, Cook has walked off, he comes back with some very older looking, uh, aristocratic folks. And he's like, uh, Lord Bannister, Miles Crowley, Dampier, Undertaker Extraordinaire. He kind of extends his bony hand and is like, charmed. Uh, Miles gives a small bow because this is an actual lord, someone who's technically higher class than him, and shakes their hand. It's so good to see you, uh, my lord. This soiree of yours is absolutely beautiful. He starts um, asking you to regale him with some stories, at which point I'm going to ask you for a roll. Yep. To see if you can impress this lord. Okay, um, that would either be etiquette or charm. Um, I'll call it etiquette. I think I think that makes sense. Seventeen. Perfect. Fabulous. Um, you're telling him stories, and he's clap, clap, clapping, and he's just the happiest 
and he turns to uh, Cook, and he says, "Wonderful, wonderful." Um, and he he shakes your hand. And he says, "Please, please enjoy yourself. Uh, look, have a look around. Enjoy some wine. Enjoy some food. It is going to be a night to remember." And he swoops his hand around Cook, and the two of them begin to walk off. And what your success gets you is not only do you have, for now, relatively the run of relatively, like, free reign, but you hear him just briefly, just briefly say to Cook, a fine specimen you've picked up tonight, a fine, fine, the show is going to be a delight. Okay, um, because Miles is a dampier and he always tries to give off the image of a tragic professional uh, vampire hunter, was he allowed in with any of his weapons? Uh, he, oddly enough, yes. You've got all of your, your weapons, and, but what's weird is, um, now that you mention it, now that you mention it, um, you did notice that the person in front of you had a revolver at their side, and they checked it, which makes the big double-handed sword that you've got strapped to your back the slightest bit conspicuous. I'm going to fight uh, for someone's entertainment. Great. Uh, well, there are ways around that, and Miles just starts mingling with the crowd, but... He's mingling with everyone, but he is trying to get the attention of some young, uh, stupid aristocrat's daughter type. Or maybe even uh, an older woman who's just looking for a bit sure, of sure, excitement. Sure. Not for... I'll get to that in a bit. For a while, if he's gone successful, he's got a small crowd of people, a few guys, mainly ladies, telling them a story about one of his exploits, which totally never actually happened. Make me a performance roll. Um, to get the to get the crowd that you want and to get people to believe the stories, I'm going to make it a 14. Cool. Don't... All oh, right, I do have performance. Cool. 13. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, so, uh, what happens is, yeah, you've got a few... Um, a few, a few young debutantes and an older widow have gathered around you. They are, they are listening, and you're hearing more and more of these whispers. As, as they are listening, they're kind of nudging each other, you're hearing more and more whispers of, oh, a real, a real contender. This is going to be very exciting. This is, I'm glad I came here for this. And um, as it goes along, Miles hears this, but he's making sure he does not eat or drink anything in front of them. He can, and he generally likes, but he's not doing that. And sure. after a while, he just goes, uh, Beautiful madam, uh, it's, I seem to have forgotten the time. Do you know roughly how long it is till the main event? Make me... Let's see, what do I, what do I want this to be? I'm going to call this an etiquette. Uh, 13. Okay, um... <laughs> I'm rolling bad for what I'm trained in. You catch her attention... What it is, is it takes a little bit of time to catch her attention, because she's watching the crowd a little bit. 
you finally do catch her attention, and she goes, Oh, the end, the main event, oh, oh, the show, yes, yes, yes. You mean no one... Surely they would have told you, right? It's start. It's gonna start in ten minutes' time, surely. I can't believe that no one told you. Okay, uh, they did tell me, I just found myself a little... Distracted by your beauty, it's a bit hard to concentrate. About ten minutes. She she rolls her eyes a little bit because, like, everybody's listening to your stories, but, like, you still get the vibe that they're all kind of judging. You're still coming on a little strong. They all kind of know the game. You know, these are not, this is no one's first time around the block. These kind of parties, it happens. So, um, you find out you got ten minutes till the main event. You are relatively unnoticed, and those that have noticed you are more excited for your presence than they are uh, alarmed, so you still have uh, a fair degree of free reign over the manor. One of the ones who seems more interested in the main event, I just go, I specifically try to have a conversation with her, trying to ignore everyone else. Sure. Because i got ten minutes, don't have time to dilly-dally. This is true. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, my dear. How much do you know about uh, the Dampier kind? My kind. She uh, she turns and it's an older it's the older widow, right? Yeah. She's fanning herself and she starts. Um, oh, this is a this is a cruel this is a cruel role that I'm going to make you make. Uh, uh, no, she starts regaling you with the longest winded story of like the vampire romance novel that she just read. I'm going to need you to make an etiquette roll to get out of this conversation in the next 10 minutes. Because her attention is focused on you. 23. And 23, perfect. <laughs> I you, rolled a 9 out of 10. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. You, um, she's talking, and I think it is, it is, this is my obscure reference for the episode, it is Homer Simpson backing into the bush. There's <laughs> people all around. <laughs> And just mouths into it. <laughs> yeah. And she's still just... You hear her, because she's getting loud, and she's like, Oh, but their love was so star-crossed. It was the most... Oh, it's the most... It's the steamiest. And, like, does not even notice that you're not there. Uh, okay. I quickly try... The aristocrats aren't working. I try to find a mate. Excuse me. Servant. Yeah, there seems to be a small problem. Yeah, you find a butler. Um, a problem, you say? What is, uh, what is that? That's it. Don't get me wrong. The food, the drinks here, they all look beautiful, but there's nothing for a person of my tastes. A person of my palate. Oh, oh, I'm... I... Forgive me, we set aside some of your ailments, but, um... If you'll come with me into the pantry, and, um, the two of you walk, do you go with them into the pantry? Yeah, I'm the main event, they ain't gonna do anything. You walk through, uh, you're going through the pantry, you go through this hallway, and make me another perception roll and add your synesthesia. Cool. Uh, this is, is this sight, or? Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be sight. Cool, uh. Plus one as well for being a damp here, so... Seventeen. Perfect. Um, 
you see these, uh, well, they look, they're just big, sort of, uh, they're going through these hallways, these back rooms, and there's a lot of ornate wooden cases that are, are they're almost, they're cabinets or armoires or wardrobes that are huge, like, a, a little bit, you know, larger than you, a little wider than you, and that tinny taste, that tinny undertone that you were getting earlier, um, you start to see a sort of, you see a sort of fetid, rotting, almost uh, formaldehyde scent. You see it dancing around your eyes whenever you look at one of these big armoires. One of them is cracked open just a little bit. You could uh, fully peek inside, but uh, it will take a shadow roll. And I will give it a shot. And this will be opposed. Cool. Uh, let me just find but my I'm shadow. I'm going to give him a negative modifier because he is a bit distracted, guiding you to the food. Cool. You have to beat a 10. Ah, I got that on the dice. Easy. Yeah, I beat it. Alright, fabulous. You, uh, you take your cane and you quietly, silently open the armoire. And there's a glass tube inside. Glowing lights, yellow green formaldehyde. And there's an animate inside. Floating. Preserved. Missing an arm. That's weird. Uh, is the animate still. Alive, for back of a letter, uh, better word. It is, no, it, well, maybe. You can't really, like, it's in, for, it's in the formaldehyde tank. So, it, it, so, you know, you don't fully know how the animates work. Like, if it could survive, or if it's being preserved because it's alive, or if it's just being preserved. But, it's also, but it's of no danger, I guess is, I think, the important thing. Say that. It is safely behind a glass tube and... Okay. I probably don't have much time for anything. Is it? It's just a glass tube. You open it up, it goes out. There's nothing else to mess with, so to speak. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a, um, one of those, like a hatch on the front, like a spinning hatch yeah. for, an, uh, for a release door. And the way the tube is built, you can see that there's, like, drainage on the bottom, so you would presumably start spinning the hatch, it would drain the formaldehyde from the bottom. The animate would come out possibly alive, possibly not. You're not really sure. Animates are weird. Yep. If I have the... If I think I can get away with it, with this guy no sense, if there is a chance I want to try and open this, and then just hurry along, grab him and go, I'm starving. So, hopefully he doesn't notice the mess that I'm going to cause. Um, this is going to be a shadow roll. This is going to be very difficult, so I'm going to, uh, not... I'm going to make it an opposed roll. Cool. I probably failed. I got 12. Yep, you definitely fail. Um, the... You, 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 you reach for the hatch, and, uh, you hear a clamoring. The butler comes back around from... He turns off, he comes back around... He, not even fully aware that the, the that the wardrobe has been opened, sort of hands you a blood bag and throws a hand around your shoulder and says, We must depart. It is time for the main event. And you're shuffled off. I just 
bites into the bag quite angry, radiating the anger, trying to intimidate the butler a bit as I, well, feed. Oh, I'm not even going to ask for a roll for that. Yeah, you, like, the butler is freaked out and is trying to get away from, is trying to, like, get you to where you're going so he can get away from you as quick as possible. So, like, they carry you off, right? Like, he, he, he kind of, like, sort of gently hands you off to somebody else who throws their hand around your shoulder and, like, starts walking you down. And, like, if you hadn't picked up on everything, it wouldn't feel suspicious. Because, like, all of the crowd is moving south. You know, you're all moving down the stairwell. Like, everybody's kind of together. You're like, oh, okay. They're definitely, like moving you to a to a place, but they're doing it as a group. It's fun. As we're going after I've finished my blood bag, you know, I don't care. I just uh, drop... I just take it, shove it, it in one of the guys, the guy who's dragging me's pocket, mm-hmm. and I start taking off my outer clothes. I've still got my armor on. Sure. But, yeah, just yeah, trying right. to do the whole I am clearly ready for combat thing. Sure, sure, sure. Like, yeah, and, um, the mob is delighted at this. They are laughing, uh, Cook, you see, you're locked down into a, uh, a basement, and you look up, and you almost see, uh, it's almost like an operating theater. Elevated viewing halls all around, and the first person that you lock eyes with is Cook. Who, like, throws you a wink and then goes and takes his seat. I'm out because I have expressive eyes, um, which I can convey a simple message. It is basically, I will kill you. <laughs> One day. Yep. Gets it, gets the message loud and clear. Um, so, um, what happens is the op, the theater. The Coliseum fills up. The basement Coliseum. Um, Roman gladiator style. A gate opens, and you hear something. You see hands on, like, iron grating, and it's shaking. And it's that sound that you tasted earlier, that rattling, that shaking. And the gates open, the hands let go, and shoved through the other side. Is... Are you immune to fear? Do you feel fear? Yes. I don't particularly get scared with vampires. Yeah, okay. I think you need a fear roll. Cool. Uh, that is well concentration. Let me if there's a fear check associated with this. Yeah, just make it up if you don't know. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, give this a fear thing. If only because I don't know if you've ever seen something like this before. Well, I'm cool as a cucumber because I rolled 22. Perfect. You are, um, you're standing there, and from this gate, shoved out by uh, two gas mask-wearing uh, attendants with cattle prods, out comes a Rimmin. A Rimmin is uh, a patchwork monstrosity. Ah, yeah. The, uh, also known as a Promethean also known uh, by some circles as Frankenstein's monster. A uh, flesh golem, if you will. Yeah. A mass of rotting corpse parts. An arm that 
matches the uh, the tone and coloration of a body that you saw earlier. Very big, all all misshapen and shambling. Uh, yeah. And the crowd erupts. With um, his association with Dr. Cook, even if he hasn't seen one before, Miles probably has heard about them. And this is probably the first time he's shown any actual emotion towards anyone else for the night, at least, because these guys are living monstrosities, sort of like him. And it's just like, yeah. I'm going to... Yeah, um, there you feel, um, there's a moment, there's a moment between the two of you, you know, I, I, I like that. So, um, it doesn't attack right away, if you want to do, if you want to try a non-combat option. Uh, no, I don't, he just goes, this is probably the first time he's been honest as well, I will try and make this quick for you. And then he just raises his weapon, he just drops his giant sword on the floor, he just doesn't even worry about his guns, and draws the sword blade from his cane. Yep, and sure. combat, I guess. Yep, and combat. So now we roll our initiative. Yeah, that's prowess. His is plus one because I am not sure if you know, but the whole reason for drinking blood is it makes his constant charisma and nice. not charisma uh, coordination and vitality go up by one. Move. So I got eighteen. Um. All right. I have rolled a nine. <laughs> My you go first. Cool. He runs up, so that would be one action, I guess. And then, this is still humanoid in shape, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. He goes and tries to stab it through the head. Okay. That yes, is, no. you're going to uh, make your attack. Minus you three. To subtract three from that, and then add three to the damage if you are successful. Uh, yeah, the difficulty is going to be 15. I got 18. You're perfect. Roll that, uh, roll your damage, er, do I roll wounds? Uh, no, I roll. I roll for damage. Just, uh, vitality is now 3, plus the weapon is 2, plus 3, so that's 8. 21. 21. Exact. 10 plus 3 plus 8. Now, uh, does that reflect the wound table? Um, if he's got any armor, that means it's an impedimenting wound, which you'd roll those after combat. Yeah. No, he has no armor, so you, uh, you take him right out. Yeah, that's a lethal. Fabulous. I love that. No, um, yeah, you take him out in one fell swoop, and the crowd goes wild! If anyone actually knows, so probably only Cook, there's just this look of shock of, like, I can't believe I actually did that. <laughs> that worked. Yeah, uh, I think Cook is as shocked as you are. He, like, drops his hat and is like, shh, you... What's amazing is that, like, you have this remarkable uh, Dampier ability to convey a message with your expressive eyes. You yep. didn't realize Cook had the same ability? <laughs> or at least in this moment he does, and that message seems to be, I've made a mistake. <laughs> and, yeah. He just gets the message back. Yes, you have. <laughs> the crowd is cheering, but then it kind of goes quiet. An unrest falls over the crowd, and suddenly, 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 uh, a murmur starts. People, you see scowls start to form. Cook 
grins a little bit, like maybe his bacon has been saved. As, uh, you almost feel the proverbial uh, Caesar's thumb drift in the down direction. As, uh, you, now you notice the grates on each side. You get the sense that they're going to do a lot more to get a good show out of you. Unless you make a move now. Okay, two gate, two grates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a great... There's a grate behind you, which is... There's the open door behind you, which is where you came in. There's the open door in front of you, which is where the Rimmin came from. And then there's the open doors on each... The grates on each side, which uh, now you're starting to see... No, a number of hands start to grab at and rattle. Yeah. I call out... Two on one... Well, is not fair. I suggest two on two with my good friend, Dr. Cook here. He, he has helped me through my numerous adventures, and it would be unfair he does not get to show his skills as well. I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to fucking try. <laughs> it, not, it doesn't work, but uh, as you're saying that, you notice that there's uh, more than two. It's... Seems like there might be more than two people in each uh, grate. Uh, You're starting to see these rotted, partially skeletal hands, and there seems to be a lot of them in each grate. Uh, they seem to have unleashed all of those armoires, those wardrobes. You're counting, counting the hands, and you're about at uh, 18 to 19 when you start to get worried. <laughs> Probably about five when you start to get more. But yeah. Eighteen hands, I should say. So, you know, you you can still do the math, but it's still scary. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's the Lord's name again? I cannot remember. Uh, Bannister. Lord Bannister, I was under the impression that this was supposed to be a fair, even fight. There's nothing fair and even about nine animates versus one being, even a dampier such as me. He grabs hold of one of those old-timey microphones, and he says into it, Fair has never been part of the equation. This is meant to be entertaining. How is it entertaining when it's not an even fight? Oh, the, an underdog angle. That sells. No, did he not want to give these good people a show? I would be slaughtered with no chance of success. It sounds like you're trying to rip all these people off from a good entertaining show. Ooh, that's good. No, that is a good... That's going to be a charm roll. It's going to be opposed. Ooh, that is a 16. I'm totally going to fail. Uh, will this count as intimidation or basically... Uh, intimidation. I'll call it intimidation. Well, if you if you want to spin it another way, I would buy it. No, I'm going that way. I was just yeah. wondering about the stuff that adds or not. 15, but you know what? I'm going to use... Because I've got corruption and I can make any roll that involves me re-roll. I want to make him re-roll. Okay. Because I am one under. <laughs> uh, that, is a that is a 15. Uh, I got 15 as well. Yeah, I think it, 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 uh... I think he kind of takes a step back and he says, Fair, fair, an underdog angle. Squash match is not an underdog angle. Um, release the western gate. We'll do two rounds. <laughs> Yeah. And um, as soon as the gate even starts to raise, um, as they're kind of being pushed out or let out, I just draw my pistol 
and shoot at one of them, hope, hoping to get one gone. I don't okay. actually have training in pistol. Never mind. I don't do that. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'll try it. I'm not going to succeed, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I am going to fail on this. Yeah, I fail. I get a 10. I'm okay. Missing. Fabulous. Um, yep, you miss. Um, you take a shot. It goes wide. Hits the stone. Um, the zombies start to come out. The crowd gasps in horror at these uh, these monstrosities as the zombies, the animates, start shambling at you. Um, I'm going to keep the same initiative. Okay, yeah, you are up. There are um, two shamblers, which are decayed animates, which are in the, uh, the putrefying phrase, phase. And there are two husks, which are already uh, dried out, uh, coming at you. I basically ignore the husks because the shamblers are quicker, and I just wait till they get closer, and then when one gets within reach, I try and stab it through the head. Alright, make me that roll. You want to get a... What is that going to be? A 12. This is what I get the 19 on. <laughs> yeah, I stab it. Fabulous. Yeah, you, you go right, uh, give me that damage roll. Add three for striking it in the head. 23. It goes down. It goes down. One shambler down, the crowd cheers. Cook yeah. is, is, you know, leaning back and forth in his chair, clapping and waving his hat. Yeah, and because uh, I've got a second action, I'll try and stab the other one as well. Yep. And that one fails. All right. Uh, they are going, this one is going to try and grapple you. Alright, it got 15 on the dot, so it gets ya. Cool. And then if it tries to bite me, it's 11 to bite, and it bites the closest area, which, if it wraps its arms around me, it's sort of like it gets a no penalty to bite the head or neck. Uh, it cannot grapple and bite you in the same action, so it's going to grab you and try to pull you to the ground as the others try to shamble over towards you. Okay. So the others are going to try a bite. That first one misses. I'm a living to bite it's now. A little too far. And these, they both, yeah. The, the 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 husks are sort of aimless. Yeah. Wandering around, they're pretty. You, you dodge them easily enough. Don't even bother trying to break through the grapple. Animates are generally stronger than people, and I ain't exactly strong. So I just try and take my sword, aim it right, and try and stab it. All right. Through the head again. It's 11, so come on, I can do this. Come on! <laughs> okay, and second stab, because the first one goes wild. Yep. Oh, I wasn't adding that. Oh, yep, second one stabs it. Alright. And it kills it. Perfect. You uh, you cut yourself free, crowd goes wild. Kick it away, uh, try not to vomit in revulsion. Crowd is blowing up, they're starting to... The crowd is starting to get a little repulsed as well about all of the violence that they're seeing. They're starting to realize that maybe this wasn't uh, the entertainment show that they wanted, but they're still here. They're still enjoying it. Yep. Uh, I just try and a bit loud so everyone can hear me, but while still coming across as I'm muttering, just go, all these lives wasted. Just trying to sway the opinion a bit. <laughs> um... Yeah, the crowd is starting to, like, get... get uh, un start An unrest is settling over the crowd. Uh, Cook has started to get up, and you find yourself at an impasse. The husks are slow. 
you can take care of the husks, or you can get to cook. Because you can probably climb this wall easily enough. You're a dampier, and it's not, you know, but you're only going to be able to do one. Do you finish off the, finish off the animates, woo over the crowd, or do you make a move on cook? I just basically shout it out, I will not be a part of this needless barbaric slaughter any longer. And then I run and climb up the wall. Alright. Um, there, the panic is in the crowd. Um, Cook is now scrambling, and I'm gonna ask you for a roll to catch him. And if you fail, uh, you are gonna get, you are going to be shot at. So you want to succeed at a 14. Nope. Actually, let me roll this. This is definitely opposed. Uh, <laughs> not uh, great. Sh- you want to get a n- nine. You should, pro- you should probably raise a bit because I still got to climb the wall. That's true. Uh, yeah, we'll call it a fourteen. You got to get that fourteen to get to him before uh, the security has time to take shots. Thirteen. <laughs> no, I am going to. Uh, I am going to take corruption, which basically my addiction is going to get worse to get to re-roll that one. Okay, make that reroll. There we go, 19. Perfect. Your eyes start to go red, and the, your fangs start to grow a little bit. Your skin starts to pale a little bit. You're quite literally seeing red as you tackle Cook. The guards don't even have time, really, to aim their air rifles at you before you are on him. Panic has broken out. Um, And... I just look down at Cook and were you not enjoying the show, friend? Uh, yeah, um, uh, the, oh, oh god, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, uh, anim, an, and then, can't do it now because I got an, flatmate. An, animates, and he, um, yells that, and you start to hear the cracking of stone, and... You start to hear shambling and screams. You, uh, you don't necessarily look behind you, but you have a pretty good idea what is unfolding, what has started to unfold behind you. Yeah. I get up. Am I too very far from the edge of the Colosseum or quite close to it? Uh, right now you are in the stands. I'd say about, um, a decent distance away from the edge of, from, like, the edge of the wall, or the actual, like, bowl of the Colosseum, because there was, you know, a moment, I think you don't even realize quite how far you are until you look down and you realize how quickly you must have tackled Cook. I basically get up, wrap one hand around his collar, and while looking around, I start walking to the edge of the Colosseum, all while going, it's such an interesting show, you need a better seat, a closer seat, though, as I'm just manhandling him, dragging him along. Mm. Uh, make me a vitality action. This is going to be fairly easy. Yeah, this is going to be a 9, because he's not... 12. Especially, he's not especially tough. Yeah, you drag him, he's kicking and mumbling, and, no, let me go! Let me go, what are you doing? Very well, and I kick him over the edge. What do you do? I kick Cook over the edge into the... I mean, it's only two husks. You can survive, my friend. Um, well, you think that. Oh, no, right? I don't think that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I say that. <laughs> well, you say that, and then you see that the uh, the other grating 
has has been knocked out. He is. Uh, there are about five sh- or four shamblers on him, in a sense. And now you see around you that that there are about four more shamblers, couple husks, making their way up the walls. Panic! People are people are being grabbed. Uh, you could stay and fight. You could flee. I'm not going to ask for any rolls or anything because I think this is a good end game moment. So, um, what do you do? There's an outbreak. Chaos is unfolding. What does Miles do? Miles thinks about leaving them to their fate, and he really, really wants to. But this is there's that little part of his mind, not his conscience that's been killed long ago, but the PR part of his mind, which goes, <laughs> this will be very, very good PR. <laughs> so... He does stay in fight, but he is always looking for either the people he finds attractive or the people who clearly have the most money, and he is saving them first. Except for the Lord. He is even trying to save the Lord on this place. He threw this whole thing on, but the guy didn't, wasn't aware that he was unaware of the situation. Epilogue. The fight is over. Death toll in the dozens. The animates are clean, wiped out. Maybe out of the 20 to 30 aristocrats in attendance, maybe three, maybe four uh, are left standing. The air rifles from the security guards are smoking and smoldering. Your sword cane is bloody, dripping with viscera. And you stand for a moment... Cook lays before you, completely eviscerated. First one, yeah, first one taken by the animates. He's gone now. There might be somebody else that knows uh, the secret. You know, he often told you that you couldn't kill him because he would tell, he had told others and it was a backup plan. Maybe somebody knows. But Cook was also a lying piece of shit. So... Chances are good he was just lying, because he's a liar, and liars lie. So, uh, you stand there, the one man that held your life in his hands for all that time is gone. You, Miles Crowley, are a free man. And, Miles... You walk out... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, Miles, uh, he is very about cleanliness. Discussing gore like this generally makes him want to throw up, but there's none of that in his features as... He just lifts up his sword and stabs uh, Cook through the head again and again and again. Sure, you've got to make sure that he doesn't move, you, you know. Who knows about these animals? Maybe one stab's enough, maybe 23 is enough. Gotta be certain. Can never be too safe. <laughs> yeah. And then he just drops, his, leaves his sword cane, stabs there through his body, and just walks along, slowly takes removing any part of his clothes, while still being decent, that is covered in gore. Sure. And finds the lord of the place and goes, yeah, you're replacing all of that. Also, which way to my room? Uh, he, um, he scowls for a moment, and he goes, 
Upstairs, third door to the left. And you walk up the stairs, and... That's game. Thanks, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. I, that was a good little bit of uh, dark horror comedy. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Fairy Tale, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. I was glad to be here. This was, as I said before, the first time I got to play this game as a character. I'm always running it. Well, real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you online? I have just Twitter account, uh, uh, Fairy's Tale 1. That's F-A-I-R-Y-S-T-A-I-L 1. Excellent. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. And I am going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take it. Take it, future me. Thanks, future me. And thanks again to Fairy Sale for coming onto the show. That was so much fun. That was a really neat, interesting game, and I'm really glad that we got to play it. Side note before we wrap up, Fairy Sale is currently kickstarting a set of You Suck Dice, which are dice which roll only ones, which is uh, a chef's kiss of an idea. Um, you can find that in the show notes. It's already funded. There are about nine days left in the project, and it's about to hit its first stretch goal. Um, check that out. Also, be sure to follow Fairy Tale on Twitter at Fairystale one then, while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. You can like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash partyofonepodcast. If you enjoy the show, consider giving us a nice iTunes review, social media shout-out, or a word-of-mouth recommendation. All those things help new people find the show and help us grow bigger, better, and do cooler and cooler things. And I deeply appreciate it. If you want to hear more from me, consider checking out All My Fantasy Children, the podcast in which Aaron Cantano, Saez, and I take your listener prompts and turn them into beautiful, thriving, vibrant role-playing game children. That can be found at allmyfantasychildren.libsyn.com. Finally, as I said at the top of the show, consider backing us on Patreon. Patreon support goes a long way in helping pay for all the little things that come up for the show along the way. That can be found at patreon.com slash partyofonepodcast. Party of One is produced and edited by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Ran, featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates coming onto the show, or you just want to see pictures of my cat, Cleo, who's sitting next to me and being very good right now, which is a change of pace for her, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. Well, that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And remember, as always, to party on. 